Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. I'm actually uh, quite excited. We have a, a great guest today uh, that's going to help us a little bit, you know, for anyone who's you know, been scared after a crash or nervous around going off-road or graveling or whatever. Uh, we have Roxy V. Shellac, uh, who you might know as Roxy Bike or Roxy Majorca. Uh, she is a mountain bike skills coach uh, based in Majorca, but also in Germany. And she gets, you know, travels around the world, even to Canada and North America. Uh, so yeah, really, really great mountain bike coach and who also goes a lot into the mental aspects of coaching. So we link to, uh, she has a course, she does some consulting on, on the mental side of things, but also if you are someone who goes to Spain to Mallorca, you could go and ride with, with Roxy, which I think would be a great opportunity too. So again, we get into, you know, some generalities of coaching and, and riding off-road. And then also we get into, you know, what to do if you have a crash and you have to get back into it. I love it. And you know, Roxy, because both of you do some work with Ryan Leach, who we've had on a few times. He's got a great bike skills website, tons of different options, whether you're a new rider just learning some foundational basics, or if you want to uh, get particularly rad on your bike. Uh, and I also really enjoyed, we talked about this before, uh, Roxy's also very much into, like you say, the mental aspect, including sort of the, the hypnotherapy side of it. And I actually did an article for bicycling like seven years ago, where I actually went to a hypnotherapist to improve my mountain biking skills. So I think it's, it's really cool to have someone on who like is also kind of in, in that uh, same vicinity. Mm-hmm. So as someone who just got a new mountain bike and is excited to get back on trails with it. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty stoked for this episode. Right. We go through uh, some guided breathing as well uh, to try oh. to you know, reduce the nerves, reduce, you know, how nervous we're feeling perhaps a little bit or um, how much it's affecting us at least. So we do that, but yeah, definitely check out the Ryan Leach connection. We'll link to that uh, and to Roxy's courses at mtb-mental-coach.com. Um, and yeah, if you just Google Roxy bike, you'll find she has YouTube channels and stuff. She's really got some really great content and also on uh, Instagram, YouTube and Instagram. Perfect. And we'll include links to all of that in the show notes, which you can find over at consummateathlete.com. All right. Without further ado, let's get in. Enjoy this episode with Roxy Bikes. All right. I'm very excited today. I've gotten Roxy Vishalik to come, or you might know her as Roxy Bike or Roxy Majorca uh, from YouTube or Instagram. Um, and so I'm super excited because we have a, a Roxy here to talk about mountain bike skills and also just sort of the mental game of, of riding mountain bikes, of riding bikes, period. So Roxy, thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Peter. I'm super excited as well. Yeah. Awesome. So we like to start, you know, consummate athlete, we like different sports, all sorts of different, you know, certainly cycling disciplines, but also just sports. So I'd love to know just, you know, how did you find your way into mountain biking and and mountain bike coaching? Well, actually it was kind of a coincidence because I used to dance a lot for musical shows and then I hurt my knee so I couldn't dance anymore. And then, um, I met a few girls and they were into mountain biking and they said, Hey, why don't you join us out on a mountain bike ride? And I was like, well, you know, I've always liked playing in the dirt. So why not go outside and play in the dirt with them? And then I noticed that my, obviously, I mean, I was no, new to mountain biking. So my skills were really bad. And then I crashed a lot and I had a really bad coach who just said, follow my lead and speed is your friend. 
and I detonated into this huge rock with my face. I was blue everywhere. And um, then I was like, okay, I'm never going on a mountain bike again. This was horrible. And I started developing huge fears around mountain biking, like one pebble and I was off. I was pushing my bike. I was not riding that section. And I thought it was normal. I was like, okay, well, maybe it's just not for me. Mountain biking is not my thing. But then my girlfriends, they kept riding and I was like, hmm, well, I have to do something to keep riding. And that's how I started getting into the whole skills element and also into the mental side because I I had this traumatic event that stopped me from riding, stopped me from progressing. And that's how I actually noticed how these things are interwoven, how connected the mental and the skills side is and how the mental side can stop us from progressing skills-wise, but also how the skills can stop us from progressing mentally. And that's why now, in retrospect, I'm super grateful for this horrible start because that's why I, I get to help people so much now. Yeah. And I guess there's always, often coaches seem to have stories like that. Something wasn't, wasn't good or went wrong. And then they, that was their mission. Um, now you went, uh, I guess, where should we go? So then you also though have, you went to school, the university, we call it university. I don't know if you call it college or what you call it, but uh, for more of this, you know, psych, uh, psychological or, or mental, you know, can you tell us a bit about that? Like, how did you get down? Was that this same incident that got you down that pathway? Definitely. Yeah. Well, I was always into that um, because of a rather rough background. So I was always into the psychological side of many things. And then I went to university to get a sports mental training um, certificate, actually, which is a a sports psychology certificate focusing on the mental side of, of not only writing, but generally of performance. And then that wasn't enough for me. So I got another degree in it's called psychological counseling, which focuses on fears and how you can help people with fear disorders, phobias, but also with other disorders like depression. So it gets more into the more psychological side than just the mental trainer, which is more about performance. And that's what I like about the the area that I work in is that I can help as I said everything is interconnected so I can help riders look into deeper areas than just riding and then just getting rid of their fears uh, for that specific section because usually if if we're scared of rocks then there's more to it than just a few rocks and that's why I like learning a lot about this more and more and more and I'll, I'll never stop learning yeah yeah. And it's definitely, you see that, as you say, it's all, all connected and that's definitely a piece now, you know, people can definitely connect. I always try and put these, these links in and stuff too. people. You do some online, uh, you know, just even, uh, consulting, I guess we could call it. Um, if someone was, you know, a mountain biker and looking for, uh, some help with the, the, the mental game, we'll call it. Definitely. Well, I do have an online course for it as well, because I noticed that um, most people seem to be aware of, of the mental side of writing and basically of achieving anything. But most people don't have many tools to actually address these issues. So I have an online course, which is kind of a self-help course with specific tools where people can work with that. And it goes way beyond writing. So it is actually, it's called the Confident Courage and Confidence Booster 
for mountain biking, but I've had so many clients come up to me afterwards and say, hey, this course has improved my life in so many levels. Because the fact is, if we don't control our mind, our mind will start controlling us. So we need hands-on tools to control our minds. And that is precisely what this course is for, to give you precise tools, a step-by-step kind of protocol you can follow to understand your emotions, to work with your emotions, and to stop being a victim of your emotions, to start using the emotions in a positive way, both regarding performance, but also regarding letting go of fears and mental blocks. And that's what this course is about. It's on mtb-mental-coach.com. Cool. And we'll link to that. Uh, can you tease us? Uh, you know, what, what would a tool be? Can you give us an example even of like, what's, what's a mental tool? Well, the, the easiest one is a lot of people already use it subconsciously without knowing is using your breath in a way that actually helps. So you can use your breath in a way. Our breath is basically, it's the bridge to our nervous system. And when we are stressed or fearful or freaked out, then our nervous system is in a state that doesn't really help us. And I can't think myself into being more calm, but I can breathe myself into calming down. Mm. So the breath is the bridge to the nervous system. And by using the breath consciously, we can change so many states in both directions. We can push ourselves, but also we can calm ourselves down. And that would be a very practical example of if you just breathe into the count of four slowly, we can do that right now, then the listeners will feel it straight away. So just breathe in one, two, three, four. And now you breathe out to the count of eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And I'm sure you can already feel what this does to you. And that was just one cycle. Mm-hmm. So if you do that several cycles, just the four, eight breaths, you'll notice that it calms you down. This can help you for many things. So I actually also have an online course for flexibility because this, this calming down of the nervous system also turns off your stretch reflex. So if you're trying to gain range of motion, but you're in a stretch reflex, so your, your body is fighting it, you can't increase it. And the same as in the flexibility of your mind as well. If your mind is holding on to it, you can't let go of things. And that's also what I like to teach my or work with my clients to understand. If you're holding on to something a lot, then you can't let it go. You need to move towards it first and then you can move away from it. Just mm-hmm. like, you know, when you're caught to a thorn bush and right. you're trying to move away from it, it's not going to work. You have to move towards the thorn first and then you can get let go of it or then the thorn will let go of you. And you can see, you know, in the direction you're saying everything's connected, you know, from a kinesiology standpoint, I'm starting to think, you know, I see people when they, you know, are either unstable or scared, you know, they, they hold their breath almost. Right. And this isn't a great, (laughs) we're trying to get up a hill, especially, you know, we're trying to work hard. We should probably be breathing. Um, Or they I've seen actually recently, um, more people that just, they, for some reason, like almost consciously, maybe subconsciously, but I think consciously adopt like weird breathing patterns while they're climbing. Like they're almost like holding and, you know, then one big shallow breath and then they're doing like really loud and stuff. And you're like, this, this does not seem supple. This is, you know, no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, And that's just the thing. It seems so obvious. So sometimes when I work with clients, I think, 
why should I say this? Is it really going to help them? But breath sure. is, is is such a, as you're saying, it's something that happens subconsciously. And sometimes we start to influence it consciously, but we don't even know that we're influencing it in a bad way, as in in a bad way mm. that is not helping us in that moment. So starting to work with that tool can be such a, a game changer and a life changer on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even just taking that breath before you respond or, or something as well, I guess, right? Totally, so, yeah. I find in, in cross-country racing, one thing I've always, and it's, it gives me chills even when I think about it, but, you know, we come up these climbs really, really hard, you know, so maximal, like sprinting up them. And then it's usually you turn around and you come down like a big rock garden or a jump. So, and there's usually a period where you can sort of get up in that like tall, neutral standing position. And I try and do almost like a cat camel and like really deep breath, close my eyes, like you know, maybe not close my eyes, but <laughs> you know, take a breath. It, it's usually a fast breath, right? Cause you don't have a lot of time, but just that deep breath, yoga breath, relaxing breath to try and get again, back to that supple focused, uh, you know, relaxed really, right. To go over the, yeah. whatever the thing is. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And just as you're saying, sometimes it's just that one breath that can change a whole lot of things. Just as you said, also when responding, we keep forgetting that, that, between an event and our response, there is a pause and this pause allows us to choose our response. And if we start filling that pause by with the breath, that can make a whole lot of difference, whether I respond in anger or in frustration or in hurt, or whether I notice, okay, wow, I just need a second now. And now I can look at the whole situation from a completely different perspective. Mm-hmm. So the breath really is, it's, it's, a huge portal to many options we didn't see before. Sure. Okay. Uh, and this is sort of in that direction of psychosomatic training. Is, is that what we're saying? We're channeling, you know, the body to get a psychological perhaps response. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Is there, um, is, is there anything else in that direction? If we're thinking psychosomatic or mental tools, um, I think that that's useful for folks. And, and I like that we did a, a demonstration live. Is there anything else that comes to mind as far as tools? There are many. None of them are super fast like the breath, which right. is why I have them described in, in the course. And it also always depends on on the state you're trying to reach and the state you are in at the moment, as in mm-hmm. if you're trying to calm yourself down or if you're actually trying to pump yourself up. So as I said, the breath can go in both directions, but there are other tools that, as you're saying, as kinesiology, I can't pronounce that in English, kinesiology, yes, that's it. Okay, (laughs) Yeah. Um, That you know how important it is to work with the, let's call it tension of the body to find out where the problem of the individual person is. And that's something that I go more into in the course as well, that people start to actually start to recognize themselves, start to feel themselves and start to be their own coach in a way, because we can do that, but we kind of lose that innate ability to feel our body. Mm. Okay. Uh, from there, why don't we go, you know, even, uh, I think the meat here of what we want to talk about is, you know, we've had a crash and then, you know, we're nervous about biking or nervous about doing drops or nervous about logs or nervous, you know, insert, you know, something happened. Now we're nervous, scared, apprehensive. Um, 
where would you start? Would you, we can do a specific example or is that that close enough? If we, if we just have a general fear of, of biking, I guess, if we narrow it down that much, or do you want to go specific to like jumps? I crashed on a jump. Now I'm really nervous about the jump. We can definitely do that. I'm just thinking it, as I said, it's always hard to give, give a one fits all answer. Right. To these like things. why? And I'm always, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm always a little, um tentative about giving giving precise answers to this because there are so many options on first why you crashed and second of all why you're scared of this mm-hmm. um, however something that does help is and i do try to to give this to my clients as well that when they crash that they stop and pause and also take that breath and start to analyze what actually happened but most of the time you do know it, we crash and we're like, oh no, I'm fine. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And I just tried to ride on and write it out. But actually in that moment, you did get a fright. So your brain, your body is in that fear response. So you really need to take that time. Mm-hmm. So that's the first one is always pause, sit down, take a few deep breaths, maybe even eat something, drink something to get your body back into that rest and digest response out of the fear response. And then start to analyze what happened to see, was that crash avoidable or was it not avoidable? What could I have done? And if you have no idea, then that is actually also a reason why I created this course is because I have so many clients who think they need to overcome their fear to get better. They need to push their fears. They need to always just go beyond that limit to keep getting better. And yes, there is a grain of truth to this because you need to go towards that, let's call it limit to make that limit higher, but you don't actually don't, you don't need to go beyond it. It's okay if you're just at the verge of it. And if you've crashed and you have no idea why you crashed, then probably this is a pretty good indicator that you were going beyond your limit. So you tried something that your body wasn't actually safe doing so your mind probably overrode your body's intelligence and you just sent it but you didn't really know what to do so then that fear is 100 legitimate so you're there and you know okay i'm fearful i don't want to do it again and that is a legitimate fear because this fear is actually helping me not or or preventing that this will happen again if however you sit down and you know okay i did this and this wrong and i know i can change that now then there's nothing wrong in hitting that feature again. So that is something what's important to know that the difference between a legitimate fear and a mental block is a legitimate fear is there is reason. So you don't really know what to do. You're just sending it, hitting it hard. And the chance of getting hurt is big. And the other one is mental block is you have all the skills, but still you're scared of it. And that is where the tools come in play, where you can really work with the fears and get released pretty quickly. For example, by sitting down, visualizing the jump again, breathing it, like breathing calmly with a four, eight breath, visualizing how you ride in, visualizing the airtime, visualizing how you land again. And then if you feel ready doing it again, and that can help definitely if you have the skills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's great. Yeah, I love the the pause before you go sending it back in or, or just going home and, you know, you're done with it. Um, I I like that. And then I guess the other thing would be, 
you know, from a more bike skills, you know, coach thing, we could always step back a ways, I guess, too, right? It's, you know, go back, you know, either rolling the table or, or a smaller table and, and get more reps in. I know sometimes that's, you know, just you go and get a hundred more on the small one and you come back, right? Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. What do you think? And feel free to not like this. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll say, you know, I don't expect it to be, you know, if it's not a, a nine out of 10 or a 9.9 out of 10 chance that you're going to do this, then we can always go back to the little jump, the smaller jumps, the step before. What do you think of that? Like, do you, do you put a number on confidence like that? As in, well, say you come to me and you're like, Hey, Peter, I want to do this massive drop. And I'm like zero to 10 chance. I'm going to do it without hurting myself. Then I would say, no, don't do that. <laughs> we'd go back and we'd try and replicate, you know, things that would build confidence, whether that's smaller drop or a similar gap, you know, whatever, um, mm-hmm. you know, to step you up. Definitely. To it. Yes. Uh, perfect. But I think that sometimes I think there's some, this perception, you know, you see some person doing a backflip and they're like, Oh wow, they're crazy. And I think, I think people sometimes think that, that the guy doing the backflip and some of the, in some cases, maybe this is true, but they couldn't possibly be that good. And at that level, if every, you know, they, they hit it, they, they do it successfully 10% of the time. Right. So I, that element of risk, I think is similar. It's just, as your level goes up, you know, you're still getting at 9.9 out of 10 times. And then there's the one you don't expect, but um, that's, that's why I thought, I don't know if you have, <laughs> if you think there's something there or not, or, or how you would use that, right. To try and gauge the likeliness, the risk, the confidence. I think that's also a matter of, as I said, when this person crashes, he will sit down and he will most probably know why he crashed. He will say, I over-rotated by two degrees, for example, and then I need to do this to fix it. So then he can go back in with that confidence of knowing the reason why he crashed and then knowing that he can prevent the reason why he crashed. And for just as you're saying, for some sports, obviously, there's always a part risk to it. But if this risk is, um, can't think of the English word right now, that they, they can kind of calculate the risk and know how much it is, then it's something that for them is not fear inducing because they know that they ha- have it in their power. And I hope this answers your question. I think so. I think it's, it's all around this idea of confidence in, in the skill, I think, or executing it. Yeah. And also I'd like to add that Competence definitely builds confidence. And that is something that many people try to accelerate in our fast paced world. They start in a small jump and then they just double the size without doing the baby steps. And then they say, okay, look, I have a mental block. I'm scared of this jump and I just want to get rid of my fear. And that's what I mean. That is not a mental block. That is a legitimate fear because just because you hit the yeah. 30 centimeter or so one foot drop three times, you're not ready for the 12 mm-hmm. foot one. Mm-hmm. And starting to feel the difference between overdoing it because your ego wants you to do it and knowing the risk, but taking the risk because you know you have this, that's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is that we were joking for the, there's, we have a nationals course coming up for cross country here nearby and there's this drop and five years ago, it was the biggest deal. And now it's just on the trail. No one even talks about it. Um, but we were talking, there's always this big drama, about will they put it in for the, the age group like masters or, or will it be for the elite only? 
<laughs> we're joking that there should be a sign that says like, are you a lawyer, a doctor, or do you have kids? Like, do you have to go to work on Monday? Like this way, <laughs> you know, everywhere else, everyone else to the right. Um, and sometimes I wonder, you know, is where is that? I don't know. Some, I think we're all just irrational sometimes, right? We, we just suddenly end up doing things, but yeah, you're exactly right. It's, it's putting in that time of, of the lots of reps, lots of reps, lots of reps. Yes, definitely. And that is something that many people miss. They just want to override their fear and say, okay, I just want to be confident like him doing the drops, whoever that person is, but they don't see that this person probably put in years and years of practice, building up solid fundamentals, building up the body intelligence to know, okay, this is risky, but for me, it's a nine out of 10. So I have maybe five to 10% risk of crashing. And for the other person, the risk is at 80 to 90% of crash. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess similarly, the, the margin that, you know, my nine out of 10 might become a you know, this almost has to be a 10 out of 10, maybe as we get older, or again, the consequence, we just can't afford the downside risk. Definitely. Right. And it might be, that's where, you know, the, also, drop, yeah. the, dro the drops are, you know, whatever, what did Ryan said on this drops course here? I think he said 16, 16 centimeters. Does that make sense? A foot and a half, whatever you can roll down. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. I think it was 16 inch. Yeah. Something yeah, like definitely. That. Well, that is also something with age, it changes because you know that with, uh, when you're younger and if you don't land a drop nicely, then you still have the strength and the coordination to kind of rescue it. You won't really hurt yourself. So even mm -hmm. if you do crash, then the chances of hurting yourself are not that high if you have a strong body. But of course, with advancing age, it does change because you don't have the strength, the body strength anymore. You heal up slowly, slower. So of course, the fear level will improve increase but that's not because you're getting more fearful it's just because you're getting more sensible and knowing your body's limits mm. and that's also important to know that it then again you don't want to have the fear go away you want to start to build up the skills and the strength to know that you will be okay hitting sure. this jump or that even if you do crash that you have that body wisdom to kind of ride it out mm -hmm. and i think if you think about it, your fear probably is going to kick in I guess not with the same obstacle, but you're going to have this level where we cross maybe my nine out of 10. And that I think over time, it just, it becomes obvious that, oh no, I can see myself clearing this table. Like it's like, I can see myself getting to the, you might call that, sometimes you could call that like an affordance, like an invitation to act where I, I personally understand how to get there and it's not stressful to me. It, no different than you taking a, a right, you know, you step with your right foot you know, we're all pretty 10 out of 10 for the most part on that. Uh, probably 9.9 because .9, sometimes you do fall and roll an ankle, I guess. But, <laughs> but I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, the, the level that your threshold for fear probably evolves over time. Um, and, and by doing reps yeah. under that threshold, sort of like training, right. Yeah. Then you maybe you can bump it up bump up the threshold. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's what I keep saying that you don't have to go beyond the the threshold just by building up the competent competence you build up the confidence and mm. you'll see that, that that threshold will keep rising mm. and i keep noticing this myself that this year for example i just came here to germany and i remember last year some of the drops they they were like oh i really don't like these look there's a rock there look there's a tree there and i noticed that my my brain was seeing all these dangers because it, my body subconsciously knew i don't really have the control to land my bike where i want to land it mm -hmm. and this year i come and i hit them 
without thinking about them. And I notice, okay, that's because I've been doing these drills, not on drops. I've been doing smaller drops, repeating them. So my body knows how the bike will react, where I will land. And suddenly I don't care that there's a tree on the side or a little ditch or, yeah, I don't even see it because my body knows I'm not going to hit the tree. So what about the tree? Yeah, And um, that's also often an indicator that the skills are not where we want them to be. If we're seeing all these dangers on the side where you usually you shouldn't be going, then your body is giving you that fear response. And it's a legitimate fear that, you know, you don't really have the control yet to hit that feature. Mm-hmm. Do you spend much time uh, coaching vision or trail scanning, or I'm not sure what the, the ICP, what they might call it, but the idea of where are you looking? What are you attending to? Of course, of course. Vision is always super interesting topic because just as I was saying now, if you see that you keep focusing on the dangers, if you keep focusing on the things that you don't really want to hit, then your body is trying to tell you something. Just as I already explained that your body is probably saying, wait, um, how can you guarantee that I'm not going to hit that obstacle? So that you're trying to push into skills that you're not quite ready yet. Mm. And that's why I try to look, look when I'm working with a client to see, okay, is it just that he's used to looking at these things and that's why he's looking at them? Or is he really feeling that fear and he's not yet conscious of it? So we can try, just as you said, move back, try as an easier section, see how the vision works there where mm-hmm. there is no fear response and then try to work it up again towards the threshold and then see is does how does the vision change and what can he do to use the vision in a way that actually helps him and serves him well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's important. I don't know how much it's coachable, um, you know, versus again, is this just another time, right? You like you learn you learn that the tree is not jumping out at you. So, you know, after 10 or 20 years of riding, you're like, yeah, it's not, it's the same. It's not the change. I just don't, you know, worry about it. I don't know. It's tough. I, I was thinking I've sort of rediscovered this idea and I'm actually going to a 24 hour race this weekend where I think night riding for some people might actually be, you hear people say that, but I think actually, if you had someone who was really just attending to way too much, uh, mm-hmm. it might be, they'd probably be scared in the night at dark too. But I think, have you night ridden? Yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm interested. So I want to, I, I need to find someone and then give them some lights and send them out there. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds interesting. I think so. I think that idea of occluding vision or, or like blocking vision, it's at first, I didn't think you could use it. They use it in baseball and basketball mm-hmm. and things like that. So you're looking up, you're not looking at like a hockey puck or a baseball or whatever. But I was like, I can't really do that much with cycling because it's pretty dangerous. <laughs> But then I was, then I realized, oh, sort of that's what night riding does is you can only look where, especially on a head headlamp, right? So I don't know. Yeah. Take it. Let me know if you use it. True. Yeah. That's definitely a good, great idea. And huh. you should share in your next podcast what, what the night ride is for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll see. Maybe I'll get better this weekend. We'll see. Um, okay. I had one, we're getting into the last sort of 10 minutes here. Went fast talking about coach stuff. So wait, we can always have Roxy back. So if you want her to talk more about fear or a specific challenge, anyone's having, we can have her back. I had a question for you, just, you run some courses and different things and people. And, and one question I have for coaches a lot of times is how do you, um, or do you put people in buckets as far as, you know, we could call them beginners or novices. Like, do you do anything with that? And how do you bucket people? Hmm. 
as in how whether i when i meet i'm going to sign up for a beginner men's mountain bike in mallorca with roxy how do i know i'm a beginner man ah interesting okay Mm, well what i've actually started working with is separating the groups into people who have worked with me before and people who have not (laughs) okay sure and then you have to do a private to start yeah, either a That's private a or or I have camps just for people who are new to working with me. Sure. And that's because I I have a, a different approach to some things. And um, usually in the first few sessions, people start to understand how their body can actually work in harmony with their bike versus working against their bike with strength. And that's what I always start with. And even if I'm working with advanced riders, like now when I was coaching a lady for the Olympics, that's what we always start with. I call them the fundamentals because they're the foundation of everything else that comes. And that's why I have now started separating into people who are new to this whole concept of working in harmony with your bike versus working with strength and trying to kind of push the bike into where it probably doesn't want to go. Okay. I like that. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think something like CrossFit has has a lot of times they do like an on-ramp, like you come to a class, but it's, as you say, fundamentals or whatever. And then if you turn out to be a CrossFit games champion, then go forth after that. But there's a bit of a a buy-in or a, you know, you got to spend your time, put in your time. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Uh, The only thing I'm seeing here, we didn't, it was self-appreciation. I don't even know what I was thinking about that. There wasn't even a question. Can you tell me about self-appreciation? Because I do think that we have, you know, you talked about confidence. Uh, I really like self-talk and, and you know, just, I think that's a big uh, spot of improvement for a lot of us. Uh, what, what do you, when I say self-appreciation, what, what are you talking about? Hmm. Well, it also, once again, comes or interrelates with the whole fear and pushing yourself topic that a lot of people think fear is bad and they just want to push away the fear. But actually fear is the biggest indicator that you do appreciate yourself and that you don't want to hurt yourself. (laughs) And in, especially here in the German speaking world, self-appreciation sometimes has this kind of fancy positive thinking touch that no one wants to go close to, but actually it's, For me, it's the base of everything. It's the foundation. It's even more fundamental than any skill on the bike is appreciating yourself and knowing what you can do, what you can't do, knowing your limits and still appreciating yourself, even if the limit is not where you would like it to be right now. Mm -hmm. So self-appreciation is definitely also a part of my online course. And when I work with people one-on-one, because as I said, it's one of the biggest foundations for everything. If you can't appreciate yourself, you can't appreciate anyone out there. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. It's, it's so hard to, you know, you see it with some people, you know, again, everyone has negative self-talk or, or whichever, but yeah, it's, and we forget even, you know, the, on the outside, someone could be doing backflips or winning races or whatever they're doing and, and they've forgotten, you know, how far they've come or how capable they are, right? There's this new bar the never ending bar they're chasing, right? Or <laughs> yeah. And I guess that yeah, is, is that, that is... the is that where you say the the basis of this is 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 like having a bar that you can <laughs> you're letting yourself step over. Also, yes, but also knowing that that you are enough no matter where this bar is right now. And knowing that everything that you do is enough and appreciating 
that starting to actively seek the discomfort is what makes you better and not knowing that you're good because you've reached that bar, mm -hmm. that you're good because you did something to reach it. You have actively seek the discomfort. You have actively challenged yourself. You have actively become better. And th that doesn't matter whether you've reached one bar, two bars or 10 bars. Mm -hmm. As long as you're putting in the work, that's when you're improving. I like this bar. We're almost get, getting back to your dancing where you started today, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> jumping over bars. And um, I like that. Yeah. And I think knowledge that you're going to probably like, I, I mean, I've experienced this already that I've had a bar that I used to be able to jump over, and now it's, I'm not there anymore. Right. Like I, I'm not 18. I'm not 20. I'm not training as much. Uh, and that's okay. Right. I, I think we try yeah. and br really look at the, what else are you able to do and, and how has your life you know grown and, and, you know, what are the good things now? What can we enjoy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And whether it's really that, what makes you valuable for what you are, whether mm -hmm. it is that bar or whether maybe your bar is somewhere completely else now. <laughs> right. Which is good. We like change too. It's okay. Okay. Well, I think that's positive. I think self-appreciation is a good spot to start or finish rather uh, also to start, but to finish for today. Um, so as a reminder, folks can come and see you in Mallorca. So we'll link mm -hmm. to uh, roxybikemallorca.com. Uh, you have YouTube, which you haven't talked. What's the YouTube channel? It's rideandinspire.com. Rideandinspire.com. Uh, and I think if people Google probably Roxy bike, they'll find most of your stuff anyhow. Uh, or Probably, Roxy Mallorca. Yeah. Perfect. And you're also on the Ryan Leach uh, membership or mountain bike, online mountain bike coaching. Uh, you're on there as well too. Uh, and you have lots of added in things for smaller riders as well, which is super beneficial and e-bike stuff as well. Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah, cool. All right. Anything else, Roxy? No, thanks so much oh. for having me. Thank you. We'll definitely have pleasure. to, we'll definitely have to have you come back and we'll talk through some more mental training and fears and these sort of things. But uh, thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning into the consummate athlete podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.